Alien Savior is a science fiction fantasy adventure. This audio represents an audible table read of this feature film script. The entire script is narrated. The main character voices are computer generated to create a lifelike table read experience. This table read covers Act 1 of the story. An ebook of the entire script is currently available in the Apple Books app on your Mac, iPhone, or tablet device. This is copyright material. No part of this audio, script, or ebook may be reproduced or distributed in any form without the prior written permission of the author, publisher, except as permitted by U.S. copyright law. Explore your imagination as you listen to the script, while visualizing this engaging, dramatic science fiction fantasy adventure. Enjoy. Story Summary Aliens from the future abduct a young NASA astronaut, Adam Stanley. Adam is given miraculous alien superpowers, which consequently makes him a threat to national security. When the U.S. military is ordered to capture and destroy him, a tenacious female reporter, Pamela Albright, rescues Adam, and together they become fugitives who are tasked with saving themselves from a world now on the brink of thermonuclear destruction. And now we begin with Act 1, of Alien Savior. Fade in. External post-apocalyptic Earth, day. A glimpse of sunlight creeps through the smoldering atmosphere of an apocalyptic wasteland. A wicked wind kicks sand across the broken terrain of this dry, desolate, seemingly uninhabited world. Super, post-apocalyptic Earth. A large scorpion crawls aimlessly across the sand and gravel. Suddenly, a large reptilian alien foot stomps on the scorpion. The alien walks away leaving the crushed remains of the scorpion in his footprint. Nearby, the wind blows dirt off a clump of sand, which reveals a human skull embedded in the soil. An alien hand scoops up the skull from the ground. This eight-foot-tall alien, reptilian-slash-humanoid, examines the skull for a moment, then he drops it to the ground. The skull falls in slow motion, landing at the alien's feet. The alien slowly walks out of frame. External Suburban Neighborhood, Phoenix, Arizona, Day. Panoramic aerial view of an upscale residential neighborhood. Super, Earth, Present Day. The morning sun shines upon a nice single-family split-level home. It is the home of Drs. John and Joyce Stanley, a famous husband and wife paleontologist duo. Internal Stanley Home, Bedroom, Day. Sunlight creeps into the upstairs window of a typically sloppy, yet cozy bedroom. Throughout the room we see plaques, certificates, and awards all related to the science of paleontology. On the dresser sits a miniaturized replica of a fossilized velociraptor skeleton. Also a photo of the Stanley son, Adam Stanley, age 28, clean-cut, a happy all-American mature young man dressed in a NASA astronaut flight suit. A photo on the wall shows Dr. John Stanley, age 52, tall, with his wife Joyce Stanley, age 48, slim, posing proudly in front of a reconstructed dinosaur skeleton at a museum. John and Joyce lie in bed sleeping. An alarm clock rings. John gropes around for it and manages to shut it off. John. Drowsy. Shit. Joyce lies beside him on her back with her pregnant stomach bulging beneath the sheets. Joyce. Sighs. Ooh. It's bad luck to start the day off with a curse word. John. Well, there's another way we can start it off. John playfully flips back the sheets, rolls over and straddles his wife. He lifts her nightgown and seductively kisses and caresses her pregnant stomach. Joyce. Humored. Now who are you trying to turn on, me, or the baby? John. Both. Joyce chuckles. She relaxes and submits to the foreplay. John works his way up to her breasts, neck, 
lips and they kiss passionately. Joyce. You need to get off of my stomach, you horny old. Suddenly, Joyce grabs her stomach in pain. Joyce. Oh. Concerned, John rolls off of her. John. Uh-oh, contractions? With a grimace, Joyce shakes her head, affirmatively. John. That's it, I'm staying home from work today. Joyce. Don't be silly. And stop worrying every time this baby kicks. After a playful pause, John gives her a peck on the lips and rolls out of bed. John. All right, but you better ping me if you go into labor. Joyce. If you hear someone screaming across the valley, that's me pinging you. John chuckles and exits into the bathroom. Joyce remains in bed. She grabs a remote from the nightstand and turns on a small widescreen TV. On television. Reverend Herman Patrick, age 55, a black overzealous televangelist, spews biblical prophecies from his TV studio pulpit. He preaches up a storm while standing in front of a huge video screen projecting apocalyptic images of war, violence, famine, etc. Reverend Patrick. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famine. I tell you my friends, the last days are upon us. Prepare yourself, prepare yourself. Our Savior is coming. Back to scene. Joyce. Boy, every day is the end of the world with this guy. She dismisses the reverend and channel surfs with a remote. John. From the bathroom. Oh by the way, I'm doing an interview today. Joyce. With whom? John. Some reporter from CNN. Joyce switches to the CNN cable news network. A CNN newscaster, male, appears on television. CNN newscaster. NASA shocked the world when they unveiled their new supersonic spacecraft shuttle. Aquarius 1 is the biggest technological marvel of the 21st century. Video footage shows the new sophisticated space shuttle sitting on the tarmac. The NASA emblem Aquarius 1 and the American flag is proudly displayed on the craft. Rocket engines fire and a vertical thrust jettisons the space shuttle upwards like a Harrier jet on steroids. The spacecraft hovers for a split second, then its rear engines fire and the shuttle is launched at mock speeds up towards the heavens and into space. Intercut, television broadcast slash Joyce and John. Joyce. Hey, they're showcasing the new shuttle. John remains in the bathroom brushing his teeth. CNN newscaster. The shuttle is scheduled to lift off this morning. The crew will be tasked with deploying a sophisticated telecommunications satellite. However, there's been a late development. Mission specialist John Saunders has taken ill, and he's been replaced with NASA's youngest astronaut, Adam Stanley, the son of famed paleontologist John Stanley. On television they display a photo of Adam in his spacesuit standing next to his proud father, John Stanley. Joyce. Oh my God. John. John rushes from the bathroom, toothbrush in his mouth. John. What, what? Joyce. Adam's going up in the shuttle today. They just announced it. John. No way. File footage on TV shows clips of Adam's flight training, underwater weightless training, G-force training, etc. CNN newscaster. This former Air Force combat pilot received his master's degree in physics from Harvard before being accepted into NASA's astronaut program. When the Aquarius 1 shuttle lifts off this morning Adam Stanley will make history as NASA's youngest astronaut to fly in space. John. Woo. Joyce. Oh my God, this is amazing. Why didn't Adam call us? Joyce's iPad pings with a video call coming in from Adam. Joyce. 
Oh, that's him calling now. Intercut, iPad video call, John, Joyce and Adam. John jumps in bed huddles with Joyce. Adam appears on the iPad screen, with NASA employees beside him prepping and suiting him up for the flight. Adam. Did you hear the news? John. Yes, congratulations son. Joyce. Adam, we're so excited for you. Are you nervous? Adam. I don't have time to be nervous. This is my dream. I'm more than ready for this. John. We're proud of you son. Go and make history today. Adam. Mom, everything fine with you and the baby? Joyce. Funny you should ask, this baby's kicking every time he hears your voice. John. He's probably texting you right now from the womb. They chuckle. A NASA official tells Adam to wind things up. Adam. Guys I gotta run, they're rushing me along here. Love you, I'll chat from space when I can. Joyce. Godspeed Adam, we love you son. The video call cuts off abruptly. Joyce. Are we dreaming? Or what? They hug. Joyce rolls out of bed and puts on her robe. Joyce. I'm running downstairs to watch this. I'm not missing anything. John. Well be careful, you still got a baby to deliver, remember? Joyce. Yeah, tell me about it. Joyce waddles out the room and heads downstairs. Internal Stanley home, living room, day. John and Joyce sit on the couch munching on breakfast. On television the shuttle coverage continues. CNN newscaster. Space shuttle Aquarius 1 successfully lifted off this morning. However there seems to be a problem with the shuttle's satellite deployment system. On screen, we see the space shuttle orbiting above Earth with its cargo bay doors open. A huge satellite sits firmly on a platform in the cargo bay. CNN newscaster. And now the astronauts are forced into an unscheduled spacewalk to manually repair the problem. Joyce. Oh no, why does this have to happen on his first flight? John. Don't worry, they train for this kind of stuff. He'll be okay. External Space Shuttle, Earth Orbit, Space. A live shot of the shuttle orbiting in space. Inside the shuttle cabin. Floating weightless, Adam tries to sturdy himself as he dons his spacesuit and prepares for the spacewalk. With him is Commander Daniel Swenson, age 40, bald, who is also putting on his spacesuit. Amongst the crew is shuttle pilot Vivian Lee, age 30, Asian, cute, and two others, a male astronaut and female astronaut. Five crew members, three males, two females. Vivian helps Adam with his spacesuit. She playfully peeks down the collar of his spacesuit. Vivian. Hey, you got room in there for me? Adam. Sure. Jump right in. A little romance ensues as Vivian affectionately rubs noses with Adam. Commander Swenson. All right you two lovebirds. I can hear it now, Houston, we got an orgasm. Their laughter is interrupted by mission control. Internal Johnson Space Center, Houston, day. Inside mission control, Eugene Hassett, age 45, director of flight crew operations, monitors the astronaut activities on a large video screen. He speaks into a headset receiver. Director has it. All right you guys, I need you to stay focused up there, you got a big day ahead of you. Intercut, mission control slash space shuttle, space. The astronauts tone down their antics and get serious. Director has it. I assume all systems are go for the scheduled EVA? Commander Swenson. Affirmative. All set, ready to go. Director has it. 
All right, Commander. We've got a small window for this operation, I need you guys suited up in approximately 20 minutes. Commander Swenson. Roger that Houston. Director Hassett. Adam, are you ready to make history as the youngest astronaut to walk in space? Adam. Beat. I was born ready sir. They all chuckle. Adam fist bumps Commander Swenson. Commander Swenson. Okay rookie, the pressure's on now. Internal Stanley home, living room, day. Joyce remains glued to the shuttle coverage on television. Nearby, John dresses himself, with one eye on the coverage. He zips up his khaki pants and buttons his shirt. Joyce. This is scaring the crap out of me. John. I'm still thinking about staying home and keeping an eye on you. Joyce. Well, that's up to you. You can dig up that dinosaur tomorrow. It's not like it's going anywhere. The doorbell rings. John opens the front door. At the door is Pamela Albright, age 30, a youthful-looking, bright, ambitious field reporter for CNN, dressed in business casual attire. John. Yes, may I help you? Pamela. Hi, I'm Pamela Albright, CNN. We have an exclusive with you today, regarding your latest discovery. John. Oh, Miss Albright. Come right in, we're expecting you. Please, call me Pam. John. Honey, this is Pamela Albright, from the News Network. Joyce struggles to stand when Pamela notices her baby bump. Pamela. Please, don't get up, and congratulations. They shake hands, exchange greetings. John. Please, have a seat while I grab my gear. I'll be ready in a second. John heads upstairs. Pamela takes a seat next to Joyce, with both of them watching the shuttle coverage on TV. Pamela. You must be so proud of Adam, everyone's buzzing about him today. Joyce. Yes, but right now I want this spacewalk to be over before I have a nervous breakdown. Pamela. Couple of beats. So, how far along are you? Joyce. Well, let me put it this way, if this baby pops out you better be ready to catch it. They chuckle. Joyce. I'm due any day now. An awkward beat passes as Pamela gives Joyce a curious look. Joyce. Go ahead, spit it out, I know what you're thinking. Pamela. I'm just wondering. Joyce. I'm 48, there I said it. Pamela. 48? Wow. I admire your courage. Joyce. Well, women over 40 are having babies more than you might think. Pamela. Yeah, but... 48? Wow. Okay, that's it, get out of my house. Joyce is kidding and they both share a laugh. Joyce. John and I have been struggling in the baby department. I was taking fertility drugs, in vitro, you name it. Then I just gave up. The next thing you know, voila, I'm pregnant. Go figure. Pamela. Well it's a blessing, for sure. Joyce. Yes, and now I got two babies. One floating around in space and one floating around down here. They chuckle. John comes downstairs dressed and ready to go. John. Okay, we better get going. My team is out there waiting for me. John gives Joyce a goodbye peck on the lips. They say their goodbyes. Pamela and John exit. External Desert Highway, Southwest Arizona, day. Against the background of a beautiful mountain valley landscape, a convertible Jeep cruises down the highway, followed by a CNN satellite uplink van. 
Inside the van, driving alone is Rick Hall, age 20, a slim, carefree broadcast technician, bopping to a heavy metal tune on his headphones. Inside the Jeep is John Stanley and Pamela, with John at the wheel. Chilling in the back seat of the Jeep is cameraman Roger Hendricks, age 28, unshaven, laid back, wearing torn jeans and a t-shirt. Pamela. Dr. Stanley, how much further is it? John. We're just about there Miss Albright. Pamela. It's not every day I get to interview the world's most renowned paleontologist. I still can't believe the network gave me this story. Roger. That surprised the shit out of me too. Pamela. Shut up Roger. Roger chuckles. He ties a checkered red bandana around his head, drops his head back and relaxes in the sunshine. Roger. Wake me when we get to the ocean. Pamela. To John. Try to ignore him. Pamela is somewhat overdressed in her dress slacks, blouse and a light jacket. She wipes a little sweat from her brow. John. You might want to lose that jacket. This desert is unforgiving. Pamela. I'm one step ahead of you. She removes her jacket, undoes a couple of buttons on her blouse and rolls up her sleeves. Then she pulls out a notepad and starts taking notes. Pamela. So, what brings you out here to the middle of the Sonoran Desert? John. Pterosaurs. Roger. Suddenly interested. Pterosaurs? You mean those big-ass flying dinosaurs? John. Actually, they're big-ass flying reptiles with 30-foot wingspans, long beaks and sharp teeth. Roger. Sounds like my ex-girlfriend. John snickers, while Pamela gives Roger a chastising look. John. Okay, brace yourself, it's gonna get bumpy from here on out. John takes a sudden detour. He swerves off the highway and barrels across the desert, with Pamela and Roger bracing themselves during the bumpy ride. Rick follows behind them in the uplink van. They leave a trail of dust as they travel across the rough desert terrain. External Desert Excavation Site, Day A small excavation crew is busy at work, with tents, makeshift canopies and assorted gear scattered about. We see the remains of a fossilized pterosaur sitting inside a petrified slab of rock situated just below the desert surface. The pterosaur's skull, bone structure and long beak are well-defined and fully intact. John and Pamela gaze in amazement at the fossil. John. Meet the largest pterosaur fossil known to mankind. Roger strolls around with an HD camera hung over shoulder. Rick follows behind, quietly rocking to heavy metal music on his headphones. Pamela. My God, it's hard to believe these things ever existed. John. I just hope we can extract it in one piece. It's delicate work, but that's where these guys come in. A crew of excavators are busy mapping out the site, while others carefully brush away sand debris from the fossil. Pamela. What exactly are they doing? John. They're grid mapping and recording every detail of the fossil. Check out Felicia over here. Felicia, 18, cute Navajo Indian girl, kneels at the site drawing a sketch of the fossil. She smiles and displays the amazing likeness of her artwork drawings. Pamela. Fascinating. Roger and Rick approach, nonchalantly gazing around. Pamela. To Roger. You planning on using that camera today or what? Roger takes the hint and starts shooting video of the site. John escorts Pamela around while she continues to pick his brain, asking questions and taking notes. Internal Stanley Home, Kitchen, Day. Joyce waddles around, cleaning up after breakfast, when the doorbell rings. 
Joyce strolls into the living room and sees her neighbor Marcy Brannan, 30s, perky, at the front screen door. Marcy lets herself in. Marcy. I see you're still carrying that cannonball around. Joyce. Tell me about it. They share a hug. Marcy rubs Joyce's stomach for luck. Marcy. Hey I'm so excited about Adam. I've been watching the news all morning. Joyce. Yeah, you and me both. They exit into the kitchen. The shuttle coverage plays on TV. Joyce. Sit down, let me fry you an egg. Marcy. Oh no you don't, you relax, take the load off. I can fry my own egg. Marcy grabs the frying pan and prepares some eggs, while Joyce takes a seat at the kitchen table. Joyce. Be my guest, I could use a servant around here. Marcy. Hey, you were there for me when I was carrying little Stacy, I'm just returning the favor. Joyce. You're a doll Marcy. On television. The spacewalk continues. Adam and Commander Swenson are dwarfed by the huge satellite sitting in the cargo bay, as they tend to repairs. Inside the shuttle, we see the other astronauts busy at work. Back to scene. Joyce. I'm not crazy about this spacewalk business. Marcy. I know, it's pretty scary. Marcy grabs her omelet and takes a seat at the table. Marcy. I wonder what it would be like to have a baby in space. Joyce. Hey, if it's painless, beam me up, Scotty. Marcy. Movie trailer voice. In space, everyone can hear you scream. They crack up laughing. External space shuttle, Earth orbit, space. Commander Swenson uses a fancy power tool wrench to unscrew and remove a panel, revealing a crop of burnt-out circuits. Commander Swenson, ain't that a bitch? Adam. Man, those circuits are fried. Commander Swenson. Okay, we got work to do. Take this, remove these four screws and I'll get a new circuit board. Swenson hands Adam the power wrench tool. Commander Swenson. Can you handle this rookie? Adam. I got this commander. Adam gets busy on those screws, while Swenson looks for a new circuit board. External desert excavation site, day. Pamela, with mic in hand, is poised and ready for a CNN video shoot. John stands next to her ready to be interviewed. Roger trains the camera on them, while Rick holds a boom mic. Pamela. I'm here in the Sonora Desert with Dr. John Stanley, the world's most renowned paleontologist. Dr. Stanley, tell our viewers about this rare prehistoric discovery. John. While this is indeed a rare discovery, here lies the remains of a fully intact pterosaur fossil from the Cretaceous period. The largest specimen of its kind ever found. Roger pans the camera across the detailed remains of the pterosaur fossil as John and Pamela walk along the site. Pamela. The sheer magnitude of this creature is enough to send chills up your spine. What happens next? John. We'll extract the remains and transport it to the lab for complete restoration. Pamela. Fascinating. External Space Shuttle, Earth Orbit, Space. The spacewalk repairs are complete. Adam reattaches the circuit board panel with his power tool wrench. Intercut, Space Slash Johnson Space Center. Back on Earth, Director Hassett watches the astronauts on several monitors. Director Hassett. Gentlemen, how's it going with that satellite deployment? Commander Swenson. All circuits have been replaced sir. We'll be ready to release this puppy in 20 minutes. Floating in space, Adam pauses for a moment to take in the scenery. Adam. Man, check out this view. 
A beautiful shot of Earth looms in the background. Commander Swenson. Let's go, that's enough sightseeing for one day. They maneuver their way back to the shuttle's airlock re-entry hatch. Swenson is halfway down the hatch when Adam pauses. Adam. Oh man, I forgot the wrench. Commander Swenson. Well don't look at me, go back and get it rookie. Adam maneuvers to the cargo bay. He sees the wrench attached to a tether at the base of the satellite platform. Adam grabs the wrench but stops when he senses a strange presence around him. Suddenly, an enormous alien spaceship appears, and so huge it totally blocks out the view of Earth. Commander Swenson. What the fuck? Adam. Oh, shit. What the hell? Inside the shuttle. The shuttle crew frantically reacts to the situation. Vivian. Houston. Houston. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? On the ground, Director Hassett freaks when he sees the alien spaceship next to the shuttle on his monitors. Director Hassett. Commander Swenson. Abort the mission. Get Stanley out of there. Cut the network feed. Cut it now. Thank you for listening to Act 1 of Alien Savior. Stay tuned to hear the remaining acts when they are posted. Remember, the entire script is currently available and downloadable from Apple Books. Go to the Apple Books app on your Mac, iPhone, or tablet device and search for Alien Savior, or search for the author, Jerome Epps. See comments for more info.